0: Well, I'll start with apologies. First, I have to apologize. that I didn't know it was going to be so hot. I wore this pink shirt, and I had to take my jacket off. So I apologize. It wasn't a planned event. Uh, And uh, I had to apologize. I got to hear that song, Special Music, twice. And it was good both times. the story is told about three Tibetan monks. Yeah, I've got 14 minutes, so I have to apologize if I go over a little, but I'm starting behind. The uh, story is told about three Tibetan monks. It was the end of winter. All their heating fuel was gone, their, their wood was expired, uh, no oil to burn, all the rags had been burned. It was supposed to be the winter, but winter lasted longer that year than normal. Oh, by the way, did I tell you they're out of food, too? (laughs) Some travelers who had just barely made it through the last mountain pass came through and told them that the supplies they'd been waiting for wouldn't make it because the pass had been snowed shut and they just barely made it themselves. Everybody was headed for lower elevation, where they hoped they could survive. The monks talked it over among themselves. They knew that uh, if they stayed, um, they would be dead monks. (laughs) And so they made an intelligent choice and decided they would try to get down the mountain to the the main uh, monastery where they had uh, food and supplies at a lower elevation. So they grabbed all the clothes that they had to put on and they started off. It wasn't a casual time, so the monks weren't talking casually about good times. They were making it down the mountain as fast as they could. And so there was a separation between them. And the strongest monk, the fastest monk, he came upon a place on a trail, and he looked down on the rocks, and a short way below there was a traveler that had fallen. And he called out for help. And the monk thought, well, if I stop and help him, I I won't make it myself. And God has called me to be a monk, and so he would want me to go on. So the first monk passed him by. The second monk, who was slower, not quite as strong as the younger one, uh, saw the same traveler laying on the side down a few boulders, And he thought, because in his religion, he said, uh, well, that's, that's just his karma. That's what God chose for him. And he too passed by. The oldest and slowest monk finally got to the same spot. And he looked down and saw the traveler too. And he said, I can't. I can't pass this man by to let him freeze to death. And so he crawled down, picked up the, the traveler, put him on his back, climbed back up to the trail, and it took almost everything he had just to get back up there. But he carried this poor traveler with broken bones on his back. As he traveled, it wasn't too much farther, and he came across the first monk who had slipped And fallen, and he could see blood from his head. He he was dead down below. And he struggled on and he came to the second monk who had going through the last mountain pass before you go down, had frozen to death because of the fierce winds and his lack of clothing. And so the great struggles, the third monk finally made it down to the main monastery where the people were. His passenger was still alive. It seemed like the extra energy that he had to expend to carry that person had given the heat he needed to survive. Awesome story, right? Sounds a lot like the Good Samaritan uh, in a different part of the world, which Jesus said was a true story. Now, this one's supposed to be true, but I don't know any Tibetan monks to verify it, so I'm passing it on as what they say is true. But what happens when the two selfish monks are the ones that make it, and the compassionate monk is the one that dies? Because sometimes that in real life is what happens also. Life at the not fair. The book of Job is case in point. You know, Job had many, many, Trials, trial after trial after trial. And he didn't deserve any of them. But it happened. I have a friend um, who, when he would say, that's not fair, his father would say, fair comes once a year. You go there to see the sheep and the pigs and ride the rides. Of course, he was talking about the county fair. But that is true. Life is not always fair. I know a lot of people who have a lot more troubles than I have. And I know some people who seem to live on easy street with not a care in the world. Now, I'm going to ask you to be brave and raise your hand if you have ever had trials or you're having trials now. Would you be brave enough? To raise? I'll have to raise mine. Yeah, pretty much as I thought. Everybody raised their hand except the chickens. (laughs) Because everybody has troubles and everybody has trials. Most of us fit in that category. You're not alone. So, how do you deal with these trials and tribulations when they hit you? You know, when the pressure's on, what's inside really comes out. You know what I'm saying? Ever step on a grape? <laughs> might look really good on the outside, but when you squeeze it, what's inside shows up. And it might not be quite as good. You might be glad you drop that grape because it could be rotten on the inside. And that's what Jesus said to the Pharisees. Whited sepulchers on the outside but rotten to the core on the inside. Some problems come from How do I say this delicately? Stupid decisions. I could put a few of mine in that category. I won't judge you. You know what category you're in. But I'm going to quote John Wayne. He's probably never been quoted in a sermon before, but he said something that's profound. He said, Life is tough. It's even tougher when you're stupid. (laughs) Now, Sometimes we all fall into that category, even in a spiritual sense. We just make stupid decisions. I'll tell you about mine. I never once woke up one morning and said, today I'm going to do some dumb stuff and see how it turns out. (laughs) Never. But that day I, I ended up doing some stuff that looked great. It looked like it would work out. But it was not a good decision. In spiritual decisions, uh, God in his word said, there's a way that seemeth right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of destruction. And so each one of us it only said man, but I'm sure women fit into that same category. We all have the same struggles. We all make mistakes. Some problems probably just happen because God allows them so we can see that we have not yet arrived. You know, when Israel was in its good times, it seemed like that's when they got the farthest from God. So I wonder if we never had any troubles or trials, if we would drift off like they did. And the answer is probably we would. But we need God every hour to help us with our imperfections, the stuff that's on the inside. We still need purification. But, and that's a capital but, the bulk of our worst problems occur simply because we're subject to the work of a mean devil who just wants to hurt all of God's creatures and especially those that love and follow him. So the devil hurts us and he whispers in our ear, why would God do this to you? He must not love you at all, right? Today I want to talk briefly about another lie that the devil is using to hurt the Christian community, and it has to do with faith. It's caused a lot of pain and suffering to the devil's glee, and here's how it works. First of all, I believe it's a blend of Eastern religion and completely false doctrine. And I'm not going to mention any of the television preachers by name, but you might have heard of some that fit this scenario. It's all about positive thinking. Now, I know, and I always try to think positively, even in bad situations. That's just the way my my genetic makeup works. And I know you should be positive even in trials but it's being twisted like this. They teach and they preach that positive thoughts, enough that those positive, happy thoughts, the happy energy that you have, will somehow affect the space around you, and that will affect others, and that will affect others. And ultimately, by your positive thinking, the whole universe, cosmos, will tilt in your direction make it all good. Have you heard something like that? I have too. But you know what? It's said that using your faith will change your circumstances. Step out in faith, and it'll all work. It sounds plausible. After all, Jesus did say if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. But it's not being presented 100% factual. You remember the original lie to Eve? If you eat this fruit, what? You shall be as God. How different is this? How different is this, really? If you're taught to believe that your faith is what generates the thing, whoops, that tips things in your favor, all I can say is this, when God thinks things, it happens. When God speaks, it happens but you're not God, and you're never going to be God. So you can have as many positive, happy thoughts as you want, and the devil's going to still be right there tomorrow pushing on your buttons. And it's a fact. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. If If you think that it's your faith, that is the problem. I have personal experience with this I want to share with you. And there's only one person in here, if she's still here, there she is. <laughs> who, who, uh, who knows me since I was been little? Sashi and I grew up together, as kids, and, and uh, so she knows. My mom died when I was 13, and uh, I was a pretty good little kid, except maybe the time I punched her brother Tom in the nose, but I don't think that was my fault as I remember it. But other than that, I, I was a rule follower. I, I loved God. I obeyed. I did what I could. wasn't perfect, but overall, generally, pretty good. I loved God. I was strong in my faith. Um, because I was strong in my faith, I believed that, uh, that God would raise my mom up from the dead. Stupid kid. But I did. And I thought, I remember people at the funeral saying, I could hear them talking about me because I wasn't crying. And I thought, oh, poor Mike, he's in shock. He just doesn't understand what's happening. But I understood exactly what was happening. I uh I I I couldn't cry. I wanted to show my faith. And people that have strong faith don't cry. And so I I loved God. I I thought I was strong in my faith. What better way to show God's power than to raise my Dead mom, who I loved right there in front of the whole church. They'd all be believers then, right? Well, when my mom didn't uh, come out of the casket, she never came back to life. Because I knew my faith was strong, and I knew God was able. Who do you think got the blame when it didn't happen? God, you're exactly right. I, uh, my faith couldn't have been stronger, and I read all kinds of Bible stories where God raised up people from the dead all the time. Why not now? But it didn't happen. So I blamed God, and pretty much after that day, it was over for me spiritually. Um, for the next twelve years, I, uh, when I get old enough to uh, to, I, I still went to church because. Dad made me. But when I get old enough not to go anymore, I quit. Because so I would already quit in my heart a long time before that. For the next uh, 12 years or so, I told people that uh, I didn't believe there was a God. I, I pretty much gave up. But thank heaven he didn't give up on me. So, If you believe it's your faith that does it, and someone gets healed, but you don't, who's going to get the blame? If you think your faith is the one that does it, and you need a job, and somebody else prayed and got a job, but you didn't, who's going to get the blame? You see the devil's strategy? He causes the trouble, then blames the creator, who wishes us to prosper and be in good health. But troubles can help us too, so you can't say they're all bad. It's tough. (laughs) Last year I had uh, the culmination of some business difficulties. Um, Difficulties started, and I don't tell anybody. Nobody tells people their problems, you know. But the difficulty started when uh, I borrowed a bunch of money to build a building, and a couple years later the people I sold the agencies to uh, decided that they were gonna leave and not pay that seventy five hundred dollars a month in rent. <laughs> My building's been uh two thirds empty for the last seven years and when you and when you base your your payments on full occupancy and something like that, it hurts there's no doubt about it and I prayed day after day, week after week, year after year. That God would would find a renter for me, but it didn't happen. And then Obamacare has not been my best friend either, since half of our business has to do with health insurance, you know. So one day I'm driving down the down the road last year, coming back from a Taco Bell run, going to the office, and I'm in my car and I was down under dumps. And I, I said, Lord, I don't understand it. You know, in Psalms 37, you said that if, uh, by inspiration, I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the the righteous begging bread or his children begging bread, righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. And I'm, I was complaining. I, I admit it. And the light turned red at the corner of Cecil Street and uh, a commercial right there by Cranky Pat's. <laughs> When I said that, and I heard this voice, and uh, when you hear a voice, you always look. But even though I looked, I knew it wasn't anybody. It was a real voice. Um, now I've heard people say, before the Lord told me this or the Lord told me that, and and I have had strong impressions. Uh, during my call porter work and other things, where I knew God wanted me to do something, but um, I had never, ever heard a voice. And uh, he said five words Mike, do you trust me? I haven't told anybody about this because I knew it'd be tough. <clears throat> but, but it was out out loud. I said, uh, "Yes, Lord, I trust you," because I knew who it was. Now I know that when I when I told people this, they would wonder what that voice sounded like. And so I got to tell you, just um, it sounded loving and strong. It had a little reverby sound. I, 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 I don't know how to explain it. But those five words meant a lot. And uh, I told my wife and my boys about it. I told the pastor in Venice about it. I haven't told any of you about it because I knew it would be tough, because it's an emotional thing. And I don't have any brain tumors I know of or anything like that. It was real. Um, well, a few weeks after that we we landed a a big health insurance account that i have been working on for eight or nine years. In fact, I didn't even call them this year. they called me and we that helped a few weeks after that. The realtor called me after having the property listed for seven years for rent. he said, "Mike, um, somebody's inquiring about your property you, you uh would you let them come through and look at it?" I said, "Oh." Yes, please come through, and uh, and uh, Bell and Health rented the rest of my building uh, with a five-year lease and two options to renew. Um, you know, I'm I'm not naive. I know the devil isn't off my back because he he never gives up on trials and temptations. But as my trials come, I'll remember that voice forever. There's no monument at the corner there where Cranky Pat is, but every time I drive by, I remember, it. I remember it. Um, so I know I'll probably still have some issues, but I know who's in charge, and God is, and uh, He loves me. He loves you. So don't believe another word the devil whispers in your ear that says anything different. I think about Jesus as we studied our lesson on the cross. I, I, I think about the transfiguration, you know, when Jesus was caught up with Moses and Elijah. As Seventh-day Adventists, we know that, um, and other Bible-studying people know that Jesus is the active person that's acted with earth forever. All things were created by him and for him. Without him, nothing is made that is made. And so as he's standing there, knowing the trials are going to come and Moses and Elijah are there, I always wonder what they thought. I have a thought, I don't know if it's right, but I, I I wonder if Moses said, Lord, we know this is going to be tough on you. We we know how tough it is, but you've been doing so good so far, and everybody in heaven's pulling for you. And I remember that it was you that fought with the devil over my body and raised me up, and now I'm in heaven. And I can almost hear Elijah saying, Lord, we know it's going to be tough, and I, I appreciate you being willing to do this because without you, none of us would be able to have heaven. And so by what you're going to do now, you're the person that saved me. And I remember when you brought me to that heaven and that fiery chariot, and I know you can do anything. But you know what? On the cross, not too long after that, even Jesus felt forsaken. He had questions. And he was God. So it can't be wrong for us to have questions sometimes, too. Because if it was a sin, he wouldn't have been perfect. But you have to know when you have those questions. Push the devil out of your mind and rely on God who can save you. You know, life is no always fair here on earth. Even Jesus will testify to that. But it will be in heaven. So we should all be there together. I have a short story. I, I thought about not reading it, but it just, it, it's just so powerful I have to. So forgive me if I'm a little late. I'll make up for it someday in the future. It's, uh, it's called The Sparrow at Starbucks. My friends send me these things all the time. I never know when I'm going to use them, but but I, I do appreciate it. So if you come across a spiritual story and you're not going to use it yourself in a sermon, send it to me because uh, I, I appreciate them. The, sang that silenced the, cap- the song that silenced the cappuccino machine. It was chilly in Manhattan, but warm-outs inside the Starbucks shop at 51st and Broadway, just a skip up from Times Square. Early November weather in New York holds only the slightest hint of the bitter chill of late December and January, but it's enough to send the masses crowding indoors to vie for available space and warmth. For a musician, it's almost a the most lucrative Starbucks location in the world, I'm told, and consequently tips can be substantial. Apparently we were striking all the right chords tonight because our basket was almost overflowing. It was a fun, low-pressure gig. I was playing keyboard and singing back up for a friend who added rhythm. We did mostly pop songs from the 40s to the 90s with a few musical um, sections thrown in. During an emotional rendition of the classic If You Don't Know Me by Now, I noticed a lady sitting in one of the front lounge chairs across from me. She was uh, swaying to the beat and singing along. After the tune was over, she approached me. I apologize for singing along in that song. Did it bother you, she asked. No, I replied, we love it when the audience joins in. Would you like to sing up front on the next selection? To my delight, she accepted my invitation. You choose, she said. What are you in the mood to sing? Well, do you know any hymns? hymns? This woman didn't know who she was dealing with. I cut my teeth on hymns. Before I was even born, I was going to church. I gave our guest singer a knowing look. Name one. Oh, I don't know. There's so many good ones. You pick one. Okay, I replied. How about his eyes on a sparrow? My new friend was silent. Her eyes averted. Then she fixed her eyes on mine again, and said, yeah, let's do that one. She slowly nodded her head, put on her purse, straightened her jacket Faced the center of the shop with my two bars set up, she began to sing, Why should I be discouraged? Why should the shadows come? The audience of coffee drinkers was transfixed. Even the gurgling noises of the cappuccino machine ceased as the employees stopped what they were doing to listen. The song rose to its conclusion, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. Sorry, I kind of slipped up there. <laughs> For his his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. When the last note was sung, the applause crescendoed to a deafening roar that would have rivaled a, a sold-out crowd at Carnegie. Embarrassed, the woman tried to shout over the din. Oh, y'all, go back to your coffee. I didn't come here to do a concert. I just came here to get something to drink, just like you. But the ovation continued. I embraced my new friend. You, my dear, have made my whole year. That was beautiful. Well, it's funny you picked that particular hymn, she said. Why is that? Well, she hesitated again. That was my daughter's favorite song. Really, I exclaimed. Yes, she said, then grabbed my hands. By this time, the applause had subsided. It was business as usual. She was 16. She died of a brain tumor last week. I said the first thing that found its way through my stunned silence, are you going to be okay? She smiled through her tear-filled eyes and squeezed my hands. I'm going to be okay. I just got to keep trusting the Lord and singing his songs and everything's going to be just fine. She picked up her bag, gave me a card, and then she was gone. Was it just a coincidence that we happened to be singing that particular coffee shop on that particular November night? Coincidence that this wonderful lady just happened to walk to that particular shop. Coincidence that, of all the hymns to choose from, I happened to pick the very hymn that was the favorite of her daughter, who had died just the week before. I refuse to believe it. God has been arranging encounters in human history since the beginning of time. It's no stretch for me to imagine that God could reach into a coffee shop in Midtown Manhattan and turn an ordinary gig into revival. Is a great reminder that if we keep trusting God and singing His songs, everything's going to be okay. Sometimes life here on earth is not great, it's not fair. Sometimes it's even really bad. But we have three promises directly from God that address it Deuteronomy 31 6 that I will never leave you nor forsake you. First Corinthians 10.13 says you'll never be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. And number three, heaven with Jesus will be the end of everything not fair. Revelation 21.4. No pain, no sorrow, no death, no stupid decisions. <laughs> Life wasn't fair for Jesus either. He was treated as we deserve so we can be treated as he deserves. Won't you commit yourself to him today? He is real, and he is waiting. Dear Father in heaven, we want to thank you for being the kind, loving God that you are. You know our trials. You know the tribulations. You help us even through bad decisions. You're always there for us. Lord, help us to trust you more. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.